You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Yeah, you got to plug it in all the way to make it You have to plug it in. All I heard was like one tone. <laughs> this is Sexy Marriage Radio, <laughs> where, you know, most of the time we have our act together. Usually. Sometimes, Sometimes we don't when we're coming on the air. But either way, just like love and just like marriage... It's a process. Wow, that's 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 why we all like each other so much because we're okay with not being perfect. <laughs> I sure hope so because <laughs> I sure like you. Um, well, speaking of liking, uh, we have a good friend of ours, mm-hmm. Dennis Merkus mm-hmm. of Melt, uh, the couples massage courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, little did you know, maybe little did I know. Yes. He's hosting a giveaway this Christmas season. Okay, that's fun. And so what it is, is if you are a member of Melt, um, you have an opportunity to submit a 10-second video clip of you massaging your partner or they massaging you with one of the techniques. Totally G-rated, just use one of his techniques. Completely. Okay. But one of the, pro- you know, any of the processes he has taught in his courses, because he's got a bunch of different mm-hmm. processes, as well as just applying oil, mm-hmm. um, you know, just start to finish in any part of that segment that you want to record mm-hmm. that stays G-rated, as you were pointing out, mm-hmm. uh, submit it to him and you get entered into a drawing to possibly win a thousand dollars. Well, that'd be fun for Christmas. Who wouldn't What's want he doing the drawing? Do you know? dollars for the, it ends on December 26th. So you don't get it for Christmas. You actually okay. get to celebrate for New Year's, All I right. guess, with it. Mm, but, so you got to pay the bills. Plenty of weeks to get that process done mm-hmm. and submit it to him. And if you want to join in on this, you're going to go to smrnation.com forward slash melt giveaway, all one word. Okay. And that, that will get you straight to the process of how you can learn more about it. If you're not a member of melt, you can also join right there and then submit it because you could win more, far more than the cost of the membership. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Plus, even if you don't win, it's a great way to get your hands on your partner in a good way this Christmas season. Well, there's that. And we're very grateful for Dennis and the work that he does because he really does help people connect in better ways, which is mm-hmm. what we want to do here at Sexy Marriage Radio. And if you like what we got going on, we ask you this holiday season to spread the cheer. Let people know, rate and review the show. But we want Sexy Marriage Radio to be uh, heard as far and wide as possible. Yeah. Well, coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation that I had with Sheila Ray Gregoire on her book that she's got out called The Great Sex Rescue. came out a couple months ago. Um, and she is tackling, based on a research project and surveys of over 20,000 women, she's tackling what have been some of the messages that some of the Christian books in the past have brought out that haven't really been helpful. In fact, they might have even been to- toxic and harmful. Okay. And what her research is showing is it has been harmful. Mm-hmm. And so she's written a book to spread the word of the message of, we've not done this well. Mm-hmm. And I'll freely admit it. Part of the reason Sexy Marriage Radio is still going on for 10 years is having to rework some things based on what we were raised on mm-hmm. or not raised with when it comes to the sex and sexuality topic, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when, th- when you're talking about with evangelical Christians. 
Yeah. And so in the regular version today, it's Sheila and I talking about her book. And then in the extended content today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. This is actually a conversation that she and I had prior to recording. Okay, just kind of your your post. It's just a pre-recording conversation um, where we went a little deeper on what all has gone on since the book was released, because there's been some backlash. There's been some people taking sides. Uh, Some of her audience in the offshoots of are coming to her defense, and some of the people that have been brought out in the book with their work. Have ra- some people have raised up to try to defend them, and so it's in some areas it's gotten pretty heated. Yeah, and so this is just a conversation of what that's gone on because what I want to say from the outset is when it comes to this topic, we all need to do better. Both because, sides, yeah, because there's real pain involved with what's gone on with this topic and how it's unfolded in marriages, and how in a lot of ways the church has not done a good job. And so that's just a, a little more behind the scenes conversation. Yeah, I mean that's show. that's not a new that's not a new concept to the show, right. right? But all that's coming up on today's show. Well, it's always a pleasure to welcome back to the show Sheila Gregoire um, of To Love, Honor, and Vacuum is your online home. So let's just go ahead and get that right out of the right out of the gate. Uh, to <laughs> Actually, love when is this airing? When is this airing? Um, well, when do you want this to air? <laughs> Well, because in January it'll be we're 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 transitioning over to baremarriage.com. So I don't know when exactly. Okay. But well, yeah, so, so it's it's a moving target of of where you live. Yeah. Most people know me as to love honor and vacuum.com. Okay, but though. soon to be baremarriage.com. And I'm assuming yes. that's B-A-R-E, not B-E-A-R. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Sheila, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's been far too long since we got a chance to connect again. Yeah, great to be here. And and this is all the reason I'm getting you out here on the air again. Uh, and this is to, to be upfront with the whole audience. We've done this recording before, and so we're going to try it again because I made a faux pas and a boneheaded move in my world of trying to keep things simple, simplistic and, and clutter free. Mm-hmm. Um, I got rid of the recording that we didn't, that didn't <laughs> air. So we're doing it again because you've got a book, The Great Sex Rescue, that mm-hmm. uh, is out now. We recorded it before, like right when it was coming out. Um, but it's got some material in there because uh, I, I want to walk you, th- I want to walk through with the audience of how this thing come about and yeah. then what's it based on? Because there's some very valuable paths that you've taken with this because of your experience um, blogging, having an audience, having access to a lot of information and has your career has evolved from not just speaking about marriage, but now also being the woman that I'll actually talk about sex in marriage a lot more than a lot of women out there that are writing in the marriage world will talk about. Um, so all that's teeing up with the great sex rescue. How did this thing all come about? Yeah, well, actually, I've been on your show a couple of times, I think, in the past, talking about some of my other books. I think I think we talked about 31 Days to Great Sex or yep. The Good Girl's Guide to Great Those Sex. Those are the, the two. You're event. right. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. But I've been in this sort of sex and marriage world for 13 years now, which is weird. Um, so talking sex and marriage all day, all the time on the blog. And that's what I did for years is I just tried to say, this is what healthy looks like. This is what healthy looks like. This is how you can boost your marriage. And 
what I found is that the same questions, the same issues kept coming up. And it was sort of frustrating. We created an orgasm course. We created a boost your libido course. We were, we kept trying to create good information. Um, but we, we felt like we were hitting a brick wall. And then in January of 2019, I had one of those defining moments in my life. <laughs> I had a migraine, wasn't feeling well. I was on Twitter and there was a Twitter discussion going on, a woman saying that she needed respect, not just love. And it reminded me that I actually have that book, Love and Respect, in my closet, but I'd never read it. Because until then, and I know it's going to sound weird, but I had never read marriage books. I just, I, I'm always afraid of plagiarizing. So I hadn't read a lot of these books. So I went up and I got the book and being the sex person that I am, I just turned to the sex chapter, <laughs> which okay. is in in, in Emerson Egrich's book, Love and Respect, which is the most used um, marriage study in North American churches, um, the, the sex chapter is in what he needs. So it's mm -hmm. not what she needs. It's, it's for the man's needs. And I read that chapter and I, I said to my team, I FaceTimed them every few minutes, <laughs> every few pages. And it was like a nuclear bomb went off in my living room because I'd never understood what was actually being taught. Okay. Um, because in that book, Emerson Egrich said, if your husband is typical, he has a need that you don't have. Right. So men need sex and women don't. He said that the man's need is for physical release. He never mentioned intimacy. He never called it making love. Right. It was just ejaculation. And he never said a single thing about women being able to feel pleasure too. Right. It was just all, you're not to deprive him. And I thought, if this is what's being taught, maybe this is the reason that people are still having issues. And on my working for me at the time was my daughter who had just finished a degree where she specialized in survey development and psychometrics <laughs> and a friend of ours um, who was at home with the baby and was looking for something to do. And she has a master's in epidemiology where she focused on statistics. <laughs> and, okay. and we're like, why don't we do something about this? So we surveyed over 20,000 women, yep. largest survey that's ever been done of Christian women, um, and asked them everything about their marital satisfaction, sexual satisfaction. And we gave them a ton of evangelical beliefs that are often taught and said, did you ever believe this? And were you ever taught this? And from that, we were able to identify certain teachings that okay. wreck everything for couples. And that's, that's the, that's the great thing that, that, that you've done um, is because this is something that's beyond, because that's what, you know, experience I've got with the Christian marriage books and it's it just marriage books in general, in a lot of ways um, are one, they come from people that aren't clinicians or researchers or statisticians or journalists, even because even journalists have a different kind of standard. It's just somebody's mm -hmm. like, you know, what? I, I want I got a voice. I want to this matters because it impacted me. And so here you go. Let's put it out there as this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the right way. Um, so you've kind of gone the other route of recognizing and this is a lot of what you've done throughout a lot of your writings has evolved as I followed along with you. So Pam, today's sponsor, I believe, uh, is beneficial for men and women when it comes to the holiday gift-giving struggle that many people can face this season. I think the ladies would appreciate this one on a number of different levels, yes. Well, today's sponsor is Manscaped, and if it's the holiday season and you don't know what gift to give or a stocking stuffer, Manscaped to the rescue. They have the tools guaranteed to help you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. 
And for this holiday season, they have a special where you can get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com if you use our code, Pam, SMR. So what is Manscaped's best product? Because I know you're asking and you're wondering. I am asking because I want to know what I need to buy my spouse. Well, thanks for asking. It's the Performance Package 4.0, which probably is at the top of every man's wish list this year. And you're probably also asking, what's inside it? What's inside it? Well, good question. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, which is the best trimmer on the market for your nether regions in your body. And I fully agree because I have this package. Corey likes it. As well. They also have the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. An exceptional little tool because let's face it, fellas, we all have hair growing out these places. Just like, wow. That's good for your dad and your grandpa too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, we can't also forget about their famous liquid formulations, which is the Crop Preserver Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, which just helps maximize your groin hygiene routine because you just want to stay fresh down there. And then you can get all this package now to receive two free gifts which are the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. So it comes in one nice package that you can hand to your spouse if you order it for your husband, ladies, or fellas, if you want to order it for yourself. Yeah. You're going to want to go to manscaped.com, use our code SMR, and get 20% off plus free shipping. Once again, you get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SMR. You can be one of the best gift givers this year with Manscaped. You've, you've gone the route of, wait, there's something here. Let's, let's explore and go deeper. Let's, let's get, let's, let's talk more specifically about this. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's be uh, a a lot more tactical in the way we go about it rather than let's just throw this against the wall and see if it fits. Cause I think a lot of times my experience with the church is these are the issues that we don't want to talk about. So when we do, it's just a tacit, throw it out there and hope that that satisfies it. You know, it's like the whole, we have a marriage ministry. Really? What does that mean? Oh, we do a conference every three years. Um, yes. That's not a marriage ministry, you know? And in the conference, we say the same things. Be kind to each other, know each other's love language and have sex a lot. Right. Perfect. Hey, let's go eat, you know? <laughs> but so, so that's the thing I love is the premise that you've, that you've built this off of is now all of a sudden you've got actual data of the pain. You've got actual data of the abuse. You've got actual data of the neglect of, of the power disparity. Cause you even jumped on the idea of the orgasm gap mm-hmm. in, in this book. And so you're not alone in this because, no. you know, Lori Mintz and who's not a Christian in her writing, but there's several that are, that's what their mission is, is we're trying to close and bridge that gap. Yeah. But what did you find? Because let's, I wanted, I do want to jump into the research of what you found of yeah of, of what were some of the things that jumped out to you that you found from this survey yes yeah, so the orgasm gap in the evangelical world we believe is is greater than the orgasm gap in the secular world um it's hard to measure because it depends how you how you measure frequency so we couldn't make one-to-one app comparisons yeah. it's a little bit apples to oranges but from all of the large-scale surveys that we looked at it does look like evangelical women orgasm less Okay. So, which is scary because I thought it was the opposite. Um, really? What made you think it would be the opposite? Because uh, women rate, this is kind of an aside, <laughs> but women, evangelical women rate their sexual satisfaction as higher than secular mm-hmm. women outside the church, but they orgasm less. And so the question is, why do they rate it higher? I would love to do a follow-up survey on that. I, I We tend to rate our marital satisfaction higher as well, even though we may identify 
much deeper problems. So I think the issue in the evangelical church is women have so much been told that your marriage and your sex life is your identity that we tend to rate it higher. We don't have as much of a critical eye on it. So that's, that's an aside. I don't, so it's kind don't of a, glo- about- so, uh, cause I think this is an important aside because this is kind of the stuff I'm seeing too. Yeah. Um, is, is there's this element of, I can, I can blanket statement the entirety of the thing and, and totally ignore the nuances within it. Mm-hmm. And that's an incongruence. Yeah. If you think yeah. about it objectively, and most people would even do that. It's like, well, hold on. I haven't even thought about it. And that's kind of the mission and the voice you guys you're given with yep. this is to realize, wait, hold on. Maybe yeah. we do need to examine some of these messages. Maybe we need to realize they are incredibly harmful. Maybe we need, you know, and that, that starts to get into a deeper understanding of let's not just be so flippant about some of this or so cavalier about some of this when there are some big things that must be addressed. Yep. Yep. So let's take the orgasm gap. Okay. So after we did this survey, after the book was out, we actually did survey men. So we have a book, the good guys guide to great sex is coming out in March. And that includes our survey data of guys. Um, And so we did verify, um, we were guessing in the great sex rescue based on other surveys. So we had 95% of, of men, almost always, or always orgasm during a sexual encounter. And that Mm -hmm. is what we found when we Mm -hmm. did the survey. So we were, so 95% of men and roughly 48% of women, almost always, or always orgasm. that's a 47 point orgasm gap. Okay. Okay. And now there, a lot of women still orgasm frequently or, you know, half the time or whatever, but it's not, it's not as much. And there's a significant number that just don't orgasm Okay. at all. Um, and so this gets back to the Christian advice to just have sex. You know, we're supposed to have sex, just have sex, just have sex. You need to have a lot of sex. But what is sex? Right. Right. Because like, if I were to say to you, did you have sex last night? Right. What you're thinking I'm asking or what most people would think I'm asking, you probably wouldn't because you know this more than (laughs) most people, but (laughs) is like, did you put your penis inside her vagina and move around until you climax? And that's our definition of sex. Absolutely. That's, that's what's been passed down and just culturalized as far as that's what the word means. Exactly. Like you've had sex when you've had intercourse. And so Mm -hmm. we define sex as intercourse. The problem with that is that she could be lying there making a grocery list in her head. Mm -hmm. You know, she could be lying there in emotional turmoil, feeling used. She could even be in physical pain and it would still count as having sex. Mm -hmm. And so our definition of sex excludes her experience. Right. And when, and that's not what the Bible does. Right. But that's what our definition of sex does. Right. And so when Christian resources talk about the importance of having sex and in our minds, we're thinking intercourse, then we're asking a lot of women to do something which does nothing for them. Right. And we're telling them that is supposed to make you feel close to your husband. And what's happening is a whole lot of women are feeling really used and see sex as something really awful. Right. Right. And there's, so there's an aversion to it, or there's, it becomes obligatory, which Mm -hmm. you even have some comments in there about the idea of obligation sex is harmful, not just, you know, sterile or neutral. There's, there's yes. more to it than, yes. than that. There's, there's a deeper component in here. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the obligation sex message. So what we did was we measured a whole bunch of beliefs. Um, and when I say beliefs, I'm not talking biblical beliefs necessarily. I'm talking like mm-hmm. extra biblical stuff because mm-hmm. I do believe in a biblical sexual ethic. I, I do believe that sex is meant for marriage. I do believe 
um, that sex is an important part of marriage, like all of that, I, mm-hmm. I'm totally on board with. <laughs> Which is interesting, Sheila, because some of this, and, and this is one of the things that comes to my mind, you know, we were talking before we started recording officially um, mm-hmm. on on just how this has unfolded in, in the church as part of a microcosm of the culture, because culture even believes that too, that maybe it's not marriage, but it, it continues to bear out in culture and society that mm-hmm. monogamous long-term relationships are where satisfaction, sexual and otherwise go up and are the highest. And so I think there is an element of fundamental as humans. We understand that. But then there's a biblical component that adds another layer of sacredness, another layer of profoundness and oneness and knowing and being known that I think even should magnify it, which that's what you're kind of basing this off of. It's like, that seemed like that should make sense that both would flourish in this, but that's not the case all the time. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I love what you said about knowing. So if I could just pick up on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. When, when we're looking at what is the biblical definition of sex, if you look at Genesis 4, there's this funny verse, and it says, Adam knew his wife Eve, and they conceived a son. And I remember being you know, 13 years old, and you're laughing at that verse, right? Because it sounds like God's embarrassed of saying the real word. Um, but when you look at the root, the Hebrew root there, it's it's the same Hebrew word to w- root to know that David uses when he says, "Search me and know me, O God." Mm-hmm. It's like this deep, intimate knowing, and that means that it's a joining of two people. It's deeply intimate. Both people matter. Mm-hmm. You know, so biblically, we know sex is intimate. We know sex is pleasurable for both from Song of Solomon. I mean, heck, the woman talks more than the man does in Song mm-hmm. of Songs. Like she's having a good time. Okay. And, and then we know in First Corinthians 7 that it's totally mutual. So when we look at the way the Bible portrays sex is this intimate, mutual, pleasurable experience for both. That doesn't mean that it's just intercourse. Exactly. Because when we looked at the women who could reach orgasm, so this is the women that are frequently orgasming. Most of them do not reach orgasm through intercourse alone or even through intercourse at all. Most women find other routes to orgasm much more reliable. Right, because the clitoris is the most reliable route to consistently mm-hmm. achieving orgasm. That's also yes. just out and there in a lot of culture. You yes. can make it easier during intercourse. And I talk about that in my orgasm course, but like, like the, the point is intercourse is not the end all and be all, but when we define sex that way, then what often happens is women feel like we're broken mm-hmm. when sex doesn't work for us. Like mm-hmm. when intercourse doesn't do anything for us and we feel selfish if we want more. And often he says that we're selfish if we want more, because you should be acting just like me. And so we, we see sex from the male point of view. And that's where a lot of these negative beliefs that we measured come in. Like I said, they're Mm -hmm. not biblical, but they tend to see sex from a male point of view. And if, if I kind of, I kind of see them, um, like Lord of the Rings, like the one ring to rule them all, like they're, they're all related (laughs) to that one line from love and respect. When Emerson Eggert says, if your husband's typical, he has a need you don't have that you don't have, which is totally wrong. Yes. So that's, that's the one that sort of is over everything, but all of the beliefs that we looked at stem from that. And the obligation sex message is probably the most harmful one we measured. And it's the idea that a woman is obligated to give her husband sex when he wants it. Mm -hmm. Um, 43% of women said they were taught this before they were married. And 39% said that they got married, believing it. Um, And when women believe the obligation sex message, just as an illustration of how bad this is. 
their chance of experiencing vaginismus or primary sexual pain increases to the same extent as if they had been abused. Mm -hmm. So, and, and what a lot of people don't know is that, well, first of all, people don't even know the word vaginismus. Like no one, everyone knows erectile dysfunction, right? You watch prices, right? You know, erectile dysfunction. Well, (laughs) to, to, to be fair, if you're members of SMR nation, you know, the word vaginismus because we've covered it several times in the, through the years of the show. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know it. Like we all know erectile dysfunction. We don't know vaginismus. Vaginismus is way more common, at least mm-hmm. in couples under 40. Um, you know, and, and we measured an incidence rate of about 22.6% with 7% having um, penetration difficult, if not impossible. Okay. And that is roughly twice the rate of the general population. And we've known for 50 to 60 years that religious conservatives, so Muslims, Jews, Christians, like like religious conservatives experience vaginismus at twice the rate of the general population. Right. And because of the stigma, the the fear, the there's a lot of different things that, that are right. because this isn't being thought, taught. It was thought that it was mostly because of shame about sex. And interestingly, I didn't think that's what it was. And we kind of disproved that. Um, okay. We didn't we didn't go into a lot of detail in the book, but um, when you look at the denominations of the people who have vaginismus, they weren't heavily related to vaginismus. Um, and when you looked at like some of the theological beliefs, they weren't heavily related to vaginismus. And you can imagine that what you heard in a youth group in an Anglican church would be very different from what you hear in youth group in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church. Right. So right. it's like, it, it's like, it, it's not necessarily about the shame of sex. What it is, is a lot of these other messages that we identified and specifically the obligation sex message was the worst. So this okay. feeling that I, I'm not my own, I don't matter mm-hmm. because abuse basically says I have the right to use you. However, I want you're inconsequential. Mm-hmm. You're here for me just to use, but our bodies interpret the obligation sex message in the same way. Our bodies interpret it as trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only reason we have vaginismus. There's also a lot of physical causes and it's a very multifaceted, complicated problem. <laughs> Absolutely it is, but it also, yeah. we can't discount the importance of the anxiety that's associated with it. Exactly. It helps create it because it's not just, oh, I need to get dilators because there's also anxiety associated yeah. with the message and everything. Cause that's, that's kind of the same concept of, I've heard of too many times yeah. of women, they go to the doc about it, who's not prepared. And yeah. he's like, oh, well, this is probably what you need to do. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay. And then it's this whole medical procedure that's yeah. rather than, no, hold on. This is this is a completely different holistic thing that's going on where there's multiple yeah. things. It's not just one. Yeah. yeah. And it's- we're actually speaking. We were um, pelvic floor physiotherapists have just loved our books. So we're speaking at the American Physiotherapists Convention in February and presenting on our vaginismus findings to help pelvic floor physiotherapists understand some of the screening tools um, for beliefs that it isn't, you know, among heavily religious conservatives, there's a lot of beliefs that contribute to it. And and the obligation sex message is one of those big ones. Um, And it's just, it's very prevalent in evangelical circles. And it's a misuse, I think, of 1 Corinthians 7, um, the do right. not deprive verses. And so, you know, people say, well, the Bible says you're not to deprive, so you have to have sex. But yeah, okay, but 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 what is it that we're not supposed to deprive each other of? Right. It's not inter- like, and, and people think, well, sex equals intercourse. So we're not allowed to deprive each other of intercourse. But if intercourse, if she's experiencing intercourse as something which is traumatic, 
where she's not reaching orgasm, she is already being deprived. Right. The verse doesn't even apply. Right. <laughs> like we can't even think about applying First Corinthians seven until we have a sex life which is characterized by mutuality, intimacy, and pleasure for both. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not characterized by those three things, then you're both already being deprived. Right. Right. Because then you have to ask the question, the, the more courageous questions of, is the sex we're having even worth wanting? And that's exactly. on both sides, right? That, yeah. That's that's the whole weight. This is that. This is something we've landed on for a while of. And I, I really believe this is both sides, but women, I think, have a more finely attuned radar in this regard than men, maybe. But it does apply to both that a woman is is very able to recognize the times when a husband just wants to have sex or wants to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. that's where I think there's this importance on calling out that in men, too, of realizing, dude, what are you after here? What are you really looking for here? What is who is she for you to you alongside you? Where are where is she in this whole equation? Because that's on both sides. It's not just women need to stand up and and when there's pain, speak up and and really ask themselves the bigger questions of what are the messages that I've taught that are just harmful to me? Men need to ask the same questions of wait, how am I perpetuating this unknowingly even? Because mm-hmm. I bought into it and yep. I'm continually causing havoc because not only do I bring it to my wife, I talk about it with the other guys or it's joked about or rather no, 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 no. There's, there's a deeper thing going on for all of us that needs to be addressed. And I think so often for men too, they sexualize their emotional needs. So if you're feeling bored, lonely, stressed, tired, mm-hmm. anxious, because men often aren't um, encouraged to name or experience emotions, then that turns into sexual frustration. (laughs) And we would do a lot better and grow a lot healthier sex lives if we could grow emotionally so that we could connect on an emotional level. Men and women together, yes, but also each of us individually with ourselves and with God, because I think many of us are running away from our emotions. No, I, absolutely. And that's, that's kind of the whole, I'm just trying to get away or numb or make pain go away rather than seeking mm-hmm. something deeper, meaningful, more profound, yeah. more real, which actually is the path towards actually creating being known and yeah. knowing, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. which there's that little sophisticated way, but that's the way we actually do it. And it's scary as yeah. can be. So yeah. before we, before we run out of time, Sheila, um, uh, is there other component that you've landed on in this, that now that it's out for a while and you're getting feedback that the message is really impacting that's worth noting. One thing that um, has surprised us is how many men have read the book. I, we, we've always thought, okay, well, men don't read books written by women. Um, but because that's what our publishers tell us and everything, but, um, <laughs> but actually probably a third of our reviews are from guys and they're really appreciating it. And so many men are telling us that they felt very set free by our chapters on lust and porn. Um, because one of the messages that we measured too was the idea that all men struggle with lust. It's every man's battle. Um, very harmful message to women. Orgasm rates go down. Libido goes down. Um, arousal goes down. Marital satisfaction goes down. Just generally all round rotten message. And it's the one message that harms women if they were taught it 
even if they never believed it. Like just being in a church environment where this is being taught, even if you never buy into it, has really negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. But it really hurts guys too. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the main ways, and this is this is the main point of our chapter, is that we've talked about lust in the wrong way. Because basically we've criminalized male sexuality. Like noticing is not lusting. Right. Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman with lust in his heart. So there, there's two things there. Looking is a deliberate action and lusting is a deliberate mindset. So you've got a deliberate action paired with a deliberate mindset. Seeing someone is beautiful is not lusting. Right. Noticing someone is beautiful is not lusting. Um, and yet I think it starts in early teens where we, where we begin to tell boys that they need to avert their eyes, they need to bounce their eyes, they need to be careful where they look, they need to guard their eyes. And that sees women as sex objects mm -hmm. and dangerous. And it, view, it, it makes them view themselves as shameful and incapable of acting correctly. Because if every time you get a sexual feeling that's thought of as lust, how can you ever win? Right. There's, there's immediate shame and, you know, it, it's, it's that whole spiral or mm -hmm. it's this vicious. Yeah. And so one thing that we try to do throughout the book is like, we identify the harmful teaching and then we say, here's what we can say instead, <laughs> you know, and we do, do this rescuing and reframing thing. Um, and, you know, what I would say to teenage guys and teenage girls actually is look, lust is something lots of people struggle with. Okay. But noticing is not lusting. <laughs> so don't worry about that. But if you do notice someone is beautiful, that's okay. It's mm -hmm. okay to have sexual feelings, but then what you need to do is make sure that you treat that person with the utmost respect right? and work on treating them with respect. And the easiest way to get over lust is to view other people as whole people made in the image of God, right? As people, as <laughs> not people, an object, not yeah. body parts. And the, the problem is that the every man's battle, um, Root to getting rid of lust still views women as body parts. The whole bounce your eyes thing. Jesus didn't refuse to look at women. You know, Jesus chose to truly see women. And I think that if we could talk to guys about how, hey, she might be beautiful, but you can still talk to her. You can still see her as a sister in Christ, you know, <laughs> and make that the expectation as opposed to making her into something which is dangerous and fearful and, you know, mm -hmm. vampire, whatever it might be. We, we'd get a lot further ahead because mm -hmm. um, I think we've made so many men so paranoid. And here's a little sneak peek. This, this one's not in the great sex rescue, but it's in the good guys guide to great sex coming out. So I'll just, I'll share this with you. I haven't shared it with a lot of people yet. But when we did our in-depth survey of men, what we found is that 75% of men say they struggle with lust on a daily basis, okay? But when you drill down on that, only slightly over half of them do anything, including think or fantasize, that, that portrays any lust at all. Okay. So the majority of people who are, well, not quite the majority, but almost half of those who think they struggle with lust don't seem to do anything. <laughs> they don't have a problem talking to women as whole people. Mm -hmm. They don't have a problem not staring at women. They don't have a problem with intrusive thoughts afterwards. They don't have a problem with porn. They don't have, like, they, they don't have these problems. And so it's like, I don't think they're struggling with lust. I think they're just men. <laughs> right. But we have made, we have We've made, made it to where all of a sudden now it's not, it's not acceptable. 
Yeah. Like it, it, it's okay to notice that a woman is beautiful. You can notice a woman is beautiful. You can notice a woman has a good chest and then go on with your day and not think anything more of it. And you yeah. haven't sinned. Or notice that and still carry on a conversation looking her in the eyes. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so, not, it, and, but we've made it this huge, big deal. And as soon as you make something into a huge, big deal, it becomes a huge, big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think one of the big reasons why men and women can't have, have such a difficult time having relationships like normal platonic co-working co-laborers in Christ relationships in the church is because we've sexualized absolutely everything. Right. Um, when it doesn't need to be. Right. No, that's, that's so true, Sheila. So how, uh, obviously, since you're teeing this up, how can people find uh, not only the great sex message, but the good guy's guide that's coming yes. and, and you kind of dangled out there so delicately. Well done. <laughs> how, tell, tell people how they can find you. Yeah. So depending on when this airs, either baremarriage.com or just go to lovehonorandvacuum.com because it will forward to the yes. right So go to lovehonorandvacuum.com and all our books are there. Um, if you go to Amazon, Great Sex Rescue is there. Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex is available for pre-order as is the totally revamped Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. It's 10 years old in March and I completely rewrote it with our new survey results and okay. uh, different emphasis. So yeah, still the same structure, but yeah, it's just a lot of new stuff. So I'm really excited about that as well. That's good. Well, Sheila, it's been great to catch up with you again. Uh, and thank you for the mission and the message of we've got to just call some stuff out because that message needs to ring loud and true that mm-hmm. it's 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 maybe it's unintended consequences. Maybe it's consequences that were intended. But either way, motive doesn't matter as much as the fact that what's the fallout of it, because the impact is this pain. And, yeah. and their struggle that's ongoing and, and regularly happening because there's not enough voices speaking up about, wait, we got we to gotta have the courage to ask some questions about what is this creating? What is this? Is this really helpful? Is this really God honoring? Is this really marriage honoring? Is this spouse honoring? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hoping we can figure out ways to have more and more aligning among all of the brotherhood for sure, but even just the world at, whole, at large to see it as that there's, there's pain that's being perpetrated in a lot of different ways that we need to all stand up and do better. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that the, I hope the church acknowledges it because people are seeing it and there's a new way forward. And I'm really excited by how, um, how well the book's being received, but also by how the conversation is changing. And so I hope that that continues to happen and that we really can find health because that's what God wants for us. Mm-hmm. We should have the best sex of everybody because we know God. So come on, <laughs> let's go do it. <laughs> Thanks again, Sheila. <laughs> Thank you. So Pam, it's not at all surprising that um, the message that we try to address regularly here at Sexy Marriage Radio and that other authors and podcasters and bloggers and preachers and pastors and counselors and everybody tries to address when it comes to our topic of sex and sexuality. Um, It's anxiety provoking enough, even if you don't add some of the shame and guilt that religion tends to do. It, it is, on the yes. topic, right? True. I mean, that's even exactly somebody right. that's coming in with a clean experience, if mm-hmm. you will, it's still anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. And it's still, uh, you're nervous to say the least. Yeah. When you get naked with somebody else. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. No so, kidding. And that can even happen in marriage. You've been married for years and years and years. And all of a sudden it's like, I still got butterflies. I still have this uncertainty. I still, how's this going to go? And it, I think of that as, it, that's just a, 
confirmation that more and more of we all need to grow up. We all need to be a little more mature in how we handle the topic. Mm-hmm. Not on a, not just on a global scale or a platform scale like we have, but on an individual level. Mm-hmm. But how do I give honor to it? How do I give dignity to it? How do I give respect to it? That's what we want to have ring true. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, please let us know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'll see you next time.